This is Zash Raymond, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. Hello, yes, another international break is done and dusted, and it's been an uncomfortable one for us Fulham fans as we've had to let that result, and more importantly, that performance at Coventry simmer without being able to put it right. But it's back to business in the Championship this Saturday lunchtime, and the games don't come much bigger than QPR at home for us right now. Our West London neighbours are just one place behind us, and aside from Coventry, it's probably been this season's surprise package so far. There is, of course, a long way to go, though. I've got J-Mac and Stasso here with me to look ahead to the game. My name is Matt Boisclair, and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. All right, lads, how was your international break? Wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. I mean, I hate the international break. I mean, we've got another one in mid-November, so I mean, it's 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 been pretty awful, actually, in a way. I mean, I, I say it's not been bad. It's actually been awful. I've been just listening to the Newcastle take over moral dance and just basically just twiddling my thumbs until we can actually win another game again to be honest but yeah just, just the English football games have nothing to write home about really you know there's nothing on the line and um well I'm half Scottish so that's kind of fun to watch our you know my national half national team do well but yeah other than that it's been pretty dull to be honest yeah yeah you uh you were you were out watching the Scotland game the other night weren't you was that the draw yeah I, I was out with a, a few Scottish relatives and um it was the. It was wasn't the draw. It was the, the uh, the winning goal in the last minute um, against um, Israel, and it was just we, we got so drunk and we just singing like and boogie all night. It was brilliant. <laughs> Quite a sore throat the next boy. That's a really good song, by the way. I love that song. It's very, it's very funny hearing uh, a natural Scottish accent sing I can boogie, boogie, boogie. It's just it's quite fun to listen to. It's it's really it's a, it's a lot better than um, than our English English one, which is Sweet Caroline these days. I think isn't it? it just reminds me of an old advert. That bloke with the moustache mouthing along to it. I don't know what it was advertising, but just <laughs> yeah. it's a Cadbury's advert. I think it was. Is it? it was a weird oh, one. Okay. Yeah, it was a really creepy advert. Him looking straight at the camera. Okay. I remember it. Oh, this is probably the uh, the weirdest uh, opening couple of minutes to a podcast we've ever done. Anyway, Stato, restore some normality, mate. How are you doing? I I, I wanted to make it weirder, to be honest, but I'm, I'm out of ideas. So you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I without without the football, my weekend was very bland. I, I woke up, had some breakfast. Uh... <laughs> Here we go. Not not no, yes. had some uh, bran flakes. I'm thinking. Uh, had some lunch as well, and uh, then had some dinner, and then we went to bed. And you know, that's that's what happens when oh. there's no there's no club football. Just uh, day, day in the life, life of Stato. Day in the life of Stato. Ah, it's, it's 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 a hard, it's an adventurous, exotic life, but I make it sound, work. Doesn't sound overly adventurous, but anyway, let's let's move on. Let's let's <laughs> let's get on with the uh, let's get on with the show, shall we? Um, <clears throat> so there were a few of our players called up for international duty in the past couple of weeks, and those of you who listened to the quiz last week will know that Cyrus Christie, Bobby Reid, Alexander Mitrovic, Anthony Robinson, Marek Rodak, Jean-Michel Serri and Harry Wilson all went on their travels. Of those players, the ones we would expect to be involved with our team uh, who travelled outside of Europe are Bobby Reid. He played against both the USA and Canada for Jamaica and he's got a third game against Honduras in the early hours of Thursday morning UK time. So he's not going to be available for the weekend, is he? Let's, let's be honest. Anthony Robinson... 
he played in that same match against Jamaica for the USA, but didn't play against Panama. The USA have got Costa Rica late on, sorry, later on this evening. It's Wednesday as we record. And after that debacle at Blackpool last time, you know, he, he, he was in the side after very little rest, as was Tim Ream, but Tim Ream hasn't gone this time. But I, I think it's probably best to leave Anthony Robinson out of Saturday's game, at least, because we've got three games this week. Jean-Michel Serri only played one of Ivory Coast matches. They played tw- twice against Malawi, um, and he played in one of those. Got to be back in the side after being left out against Coventry. And of the others, Mitro started against Luxembourg and was the second-half substitute against Azerbaijan for Serbia. Meanwhile, Harry Wilson played in just one of Wales' two matches, and that was against Estonia. Um, so, J-Mac, what sort of shape do you expect this squad to be in? Firstly, after that awful, awful performance against Coventry. And secondly, after all this travelling that a lot of the squad have done, a lot of them haven't had much of a rest at all, have they? No, not at all. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting for Mr Silva to how he makes a decision on this one, because, you know, he didn't, well, he didn't use the situation very well when, in regards to Blackpool and uh, the players that were on their international travels. Did you say that Tim Ream hasn't gone? No, okay. he didn't go. All right. Well, that's that's something that I mean. In regard, I'm quite. I hope Robinson doesn't start. If I'm being honest, I think Robinson has has looked just a bit leggy after a slight injury he had a knock, and I, I rather I rather see Joe Bryan for this game. In all honesty, and as for Bobby Reed. No, not really that fussed either. I mean, he's he's been good, but uh, in that sort of 10 position, which is where he's been in the past few games, he hasn't really been pushing forward like the Carvalho, uh, the Carvalho we know. It hasn't been the same. And it, it's it's hard to replicate what Fabio does. But yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about that, to be honest with you. And I imagine in regards to the Coventry game that we'll be firing on all cylinders for this one because we're at home and it's QPR. I don't think QPR mugs at all, by the way. Um, I think they're I, I think they're a very nice side this season, but I, I imagine we'll be really up for it at home. Um, I can see us hopefully hopefully getting the win, but I'm nervous as always, like you always know. Marco Silva must have a point to prove now because I think it was his tactical mistakes and his selection mistakes against Coventry that that cost us that game. I still can't understand why he left Serie out. Um, and yeah. I, I don't really understand the the logic behind uh, taking Tosin out and um, and playing Alfie Mawson either, uh, and breaking up that that centre back partnership, which seemed to be reasonably settled. Stato. Yeah, I think suddenly there was a bit of pressure on Silva all of a sudden because of the result of Coventry, because of what happened in the last international break when Blackpool came around, and obviously we lost that, and you know. Some of the reasons for that may be because he picked players who had just come back from international duty. So this time around, there is a bit of pressure on him to kind of fix his mistakes and to kind of, well, not fix the mistakes, learn from his mistakes that he's made so far. One thing we need to remember, he, you know, he's, he's a talented coach, but he is a foreign, co- foreign coach in the championship. And, you know, that's a big stereotype to play on, but, you know, a lot of the time, it does take a while for you know these foreign managers to adapt to the championship. To you know they they tend to underestimate it sometimes. They tend to you know they don't approach it like they should because the championship is such an unpredictable league. It's such a wild card in terms of who we play and how they play. So you know it's a big learning curve for him. But I'm hoping you know he spent this time to kind of reflect on his experiences so far and you know to try and learn from those. QPR are just two points behind us in the table all of a sudden. It felt 
at one point, like like we were, you know, quite far ahead of a lot of these sides, but we've just been pulled back down almost well towards the bottom of the of the the top six, and you know, another couple of crap results, and all of a sudden we're mid table, and that that early season form has just com- would have completely gone out the window. So it's a big week for us. These three big games: QPR, Cardiff, Nottingham Forest. As I said, QPR are just two points behind us. Um, it's a lunchtime derby, lunchtime West London derby. They've only scored one less goal than us. They've also won their last two matches following three defeats in a row. J-Mac, you said you're nervous, but <laughs> surely we've got a better squad than QPR. I know QPR, we're going to come on to Stefan Johansson in a minute, but they've also got Andre Gray um, and Char- uh, Charlie Austin, yeah? So, yeah, a couple, couple of journeymen forwards, but I, I, I just feel like if, if we turn up, then this should be comfortable. So. Andre Gray and Charlie Austin, that's like the ghost of J-Mac wishlist past. There's like the two strikers <laughs> I've been wanting in the past, like two, two or three seasons. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we are the better team, 100% on paper. I mean, I hate that phrase saying on paper, but it's true. Um, I just think Mark Warburton's a fantastic manager, in my opinion, for this league. And I think that QPR, although they haven't spent this much, have a very good, impressive team. I mean, we sh- we should win, but... I just don't know what to expect with this team. Unfortunately, without Fabio Carvalho as the number 10 and Tete as the, as the right back. Um, I think there's rumour. We'll see if, I mean, if we'll talk to the starting lineup in later on. But if if Fabio Carvalho is fit and doesn't start this game, it rings alarm bells due to his contract situation. But I, I, I like UPR. I, I mean, I think they, they play really good possession football. They're not high pressing. And, and they play this formation similar to what Coventry play. It's... Um, it's a three four two no three four one two. So it's but unfortunately, well, fortunately for us, they don't play it like Coventry did with the high press. They nice to play possession football, nice and quite a slow tempo that tempo that builds up. Um, I I I don't think we have too much to worry about really. I'm just scared because it's a derby and because we need to win this game because everything's starting to feel a bit familiar at the moment in the terms of WhatsApp groups. I mean, we, we lost against Coventry, a terrible loss. Uh, Fabio Carvalho didn't, isn't signing this contract until January, allegedly. Uh, Tyrese Francoise is just not signing at all indefinitely. And just the sort of, there's this vibe on WhatsApp, Fulham WhatsApp groups, just like a familiar Fulham feeling happening that if we suddenly lose this game, and it's a derby, and after the international break, after all the lessons we've allegedly learned, it, it could suddenly all feel quite familiar and a bit doom and gloom again. But uh, every confidence we can do well in this game at the same time. But just they've got Willock, who's a fantastic player. Chair is great. And they've got, obviously, that amazing player. I think it's Dykes, who scored for Scotland last night, who's in brilliant form. I don't know if he's going to be played, because apparently Mark Warburton doesn't like to... Uh, play players immediately after the international break. So it could start with Charlie Austin and Andre Gray up front. But yeah, I, I think they've just got a very, a very good squad and I think it'll be a hell of a game. And in a derby, anything can happen, you know? Well, this this time, last time, when we played QPR at home, it's a similar time of year, actually. We, it was when we had a big old meet-up, wasn't it, for uh, for the Friday night game when uh, Abu Kamara smashed a couple of goals in. Don came over from Wait. the States. There's a, there's a good old group of us out for that. Um, but yeah. this this is the first of two home games this week, and we have to be putting a ring around these games and saying we need to win them. We we have to win these two games. I, I, it's, obviously, it's not must win when you've got forty six games in a season, but it's as must win as they can be. Must win at the moment if we're serious title contenders. What do you think, Stato? 
Absolutely. And in fact, I look past those three games and actually look at the this whole next segment of games before the next international break. Annoying that we have so many international breaks at the moment, mm. but November will be the last one. So between now and the next break, there are six games all within a four-week span. So, you know, we have QPR coming up, a huge game, big derby, as J-Max covered, their team in form. Cardiff, there won't be no pushovers. It's a Mick McCarthy side in the championship. Mick McCarthy, he knows that he knows the league almost as good as Neil Warnock and it would be a tough, old-fashioned game. Then we've got Nottingham Forest, who seem to be a bit rejuvenated under Steve Cooper. They couldn't get a win for love and money under um, Hooton. Now, you know, they're actually performing a bit. Then after that, we've got West Brom, which a lot of people will look at and assume that they it's us or them for the league title this year. We're the ones we're the ones to beat. We're the we're the teams who've just got relegated and have almost that almost Premier League quality squad, who have those quality players. They have this new coach, um Valeria, Valerian Ishmael, who's playing they're playing this suddenly attractive, attacking, high pressing football. That'd be a tough game. Blackburn after that, they're pushing for the playoffs and they they're playing quite well. And then we've got Peterborough away, and then it's the international break. So these next, this next kind of segment of football, this will be critical for our season because obviously at the start we got such a good start, unbeaten up until the international break. Came back from the international break, we won two out of seven games, which uh, that's including league cups. So two out of six, if we're including league games, didn't win a single weekend game in September. So we haven't won a weekend game since August. Um, so really, it's how we bounce back from that and how we approach this this next set of fixtures really you talk about West Brom and Fulham being kind of looked at as the teams that are going to win the league but Bournemouth at the top of the league under Scott Parker undefeated at this point yeah yeah so you know it's, it's all very well to scoff and say oh Scott Parker he was shit for Fulham which he absolutely <laughs> wasn't I don't care what anyone says and I'll, I will argue that till to the absolute death uh, but Bournemouth top of the league and undefeated fair play to them <laughs> Yes, yeah, fair play. Bit, I know we're looking way ahead of ourselves, but fourth of December, I think it is. That's that's going to be massive at the cottage, isn't it? You yeah, know? and I'm, there's almost a part of me that's glad that it's coming so late in the season because by then we'll have all of the international breaks out of the way. Fourth of December, we should have some kind of rhythm to how we're playing games at that point. There'll be games week in, week out. No random international break to break up play. So I'm kind of glad we're playing him at that point because I'd like to think we'd have some momentum going into that game. Let's hope so. All right. Let's bring it back onto Saturday's game. Let's talk about, I don't know, would we call him a a Fulham legend? Stefan Johansson, a very, very popular figure nonetheless at Fulham for a number of years. He's now just as popular in Shepherd's Bush and he's even their captain. Jay Mack, you were a massive fan of uh, of Steph, Jay, weren't you, mate? I love him. Yeah, I really, really loved him. Um, I still love him, but uh, it's he—he he was just such a cool guy. I, I think just Nordic people are awesome, and I—I really, I really, I really like Johansson. I liked—I liked his style for us. I thought he was just in another universe. I would have liked to have seen the evolution of Johansson for us become our captain. I think actually that's something he would have. Well, he's doing it for QPR, so he must be doing it right well. But I would have liked to have seen him as our captain in a different universe, just because I feel like that would have taken his. Um, his edge off slightly in, in always potentially getting two yellow cards. But uh, Stefan Johansson for me is one of my favourite players. I think he was just so much fun and he was just, just knew his role so well in that three, 
three-man midfield of Kearney and McDonald and him. And um, just, I've got stacks. I mean, you've asked for favourite memories and moments. I've got three or four, to be honest with you. But I'm glad to see that he's doing well at QPR. I really am. Um, I just, I'll be gutted if he scores against us. But if he does, I know he won't celebrate because he still holds the club in high regard. For sure. Well, he wrote a letter, didn't he, when he left? And yeah. Published on the website, which which was really nice. But you just know in the in, in the moment of battle, there will be a Stefan Johansson shithousery moment against Fulham on Saturday. Whether it's just yeah. an innocuous foul or it, there'll be there'll be something. And yeah, I, I, you're right. I, I am going to ask you for your favourite memories. But one one of mine was at Carrow Road that season in, under under Slav, right at the end of the game. And I, I can't remember how it came about, but there was a moment where. We were, uh, were we two? Yeah, we were two nil up, and it might have even been with Harrison Reed, who was playing for Norwich at the time. And there was a bit of a tussle, and Johansson just did a did a stupid, I don't know whether it was a stupid foul or just pulled a shirt or maybe even just dived and got a free kick. And all the Norwich fans were going going nuts at it. And went right in front of us. Stefan Johansson's leapt up off the floor and started waving his arms around to us with a big grin on his face, as if to say, "Yeah, yeah, I did just do that." Come on, let's have it. Yeah, um, and then, then there's also the uh, the absolutely outrageous foul against Leeds in that um, in that in that uh, Slav promotion season when he's he's absolutely nowhere near the ball. The bloke was away from him, and he just <laughs> slid in. It was like like in a playground, really. It was a, a proper trip. Loved it. And then uh, my my favourite Stephanie Hansen goal was probably. I don't know. I was trying to think earlier. I remember the one at home against Nottingham Forest, just after Bessinelli had made a really good save to to keep us in the game at one nil towards the end of the game, and Stephanie Hansen just broke away and buried it in the bottom corner. Really nice finish. So I've got I've got a lot of time for Stephanie Hansen, but I'm expecting the worst on um, on on Saturday. I don't necessarily expect him to score, but I just think there'll be a moment. What about you, Stato? Yeah, I, everything you just said there is. Everything I'd absolutely echo, and those two moments you mentioned would would have been the two moments I would have referenced for my, my favourite Steph Joe moment. I just think back. I remember. I remember when we signed him. I remember the first appearance he made, and I think he got subbed off at halftime. He had an absolute shocker, and then a lot of people kind of already wrote him off, saying, "Oh, he's just this failure from Celtic, and they're doing nothing special." But he bounced back, and he was an absolute. He was just a pivotal player for us. I mean, I'm just looking at his stats now from that 16-17 season when we narrowly missed out in the playoffs against Reading. 11 goals and 8 assists. From midfield, that is just outrageous. Then you got 8 goals, 9 assists the season after. He was one of those players that got that got criminally overlooked when we got to the Premier League. It, he didn't really get a fair chance with us at all. Um, twice. Due to the various managers. Yeah, twice. Due to the various managers and various politics that are going around at the club at the time. And it's a shame because he, at the Championship, he's absolutely outstanding. And even in our, in our last season in the Championship under Parker, he was kind of underused again. And I don't blame him for leaving. Like, there's a lot of love there. And, yeah, he, I, I think for sure he has to go down as a, as a club legend for me. Yeah, absolutely. And J-Mac, oh, well. to you. How many? How many do you want? Um, I think the, I don't know if it, the Norwich game you mentioned, Frenchy, or, or maybe Stato can help me as well. There, there is a famous picture because because he's just such a shit house. I mean, I haven't seen 
because I'm quite new to football in the sense I've only been watching it and supporting a club for about 10 to 12 years now. I, I've never known what a shit house is and or like you know and having one in your team. So I think that's why I warned him so much. Not just the tackling, but also getting into players' heads and rattling them. I think in that game on one of them, he does the two-one symbol to one of the players and to shut the fuck up basically and says what the score is, like just to wind him up. It's brilliant. But um, one of my favourite memories is probably, I mean, his chip against Cardiff in the 97th minute, I think, in Boxing Day, um, away, I think that was in the 17-18 season, is sublime. That's against Etheridge, our old goalkeeper. I love that goal. I really love the composure of it. Even though it's in the box, it's just it's wonderful to see a chip like that. And there are other moments. I mean, I remember in against Hull, he sort of does this really cool showboating back heel trick to get around two defenders and into their into their box, which is really cool. And just the, the Grealish tackle, one of well, one of the many at the Wembley playoff final. And um, there's a great one as well. I don't know, if, I can't remember what it was, but it was that amazing clip of him doing some keepy ups with his chewing gum, then putting it back in his fucking mouth. Um, that was before a game. <laughs> uh, it was uh, He was just such a cool guy and I, I really love him. So, I, I mean, there's just so many other memories I can't think of, but I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, on Saturday he... He gives a tackle to one of our players and obviously he doesn't injure them and then they sort of, him and Mitchell laugh about it or something. There should be some nice old camaraderie there maybe. But I, I think, still hope he loses. But... <laughs> I think, I think shithousing aside, like one thing that you always stuck about Steph Joel was his consistency. So that mm-hmm. midfield trio, you know, that will go down, you know, be, people will talk about that in like five and t- 10 years time or something like that. Saying, oh, that was, that was one of our best midfield partnerships around and out of that out of that midfield trio, you had Tom Kearney, who got injured all the time. K-Mac was fairly reliable, did get injured and had the odd suspension. Steph Joe was kind of always the constant one that was always around. I mean, if you look in that promotion season, he played every single game, didn't miss a single game. And then, you know, we've already talked about how he got outcast and brought back in. But when he got brought back in, he always put in a solid shift. He never put a foot wrong. He always gave 100%. And, you know, it was just showing that effort and determination, no matter what the situation was, you know, that is why he would, is why he would always be so admired by Fulham fans. Yeah, I don't think there's many players that would come to Craven Cottage in a QPR shirt and, um, and get his name sung, but I feel like he probably will on Saturday. I hope he does anyway. All right, lads, let's, uh, let's move on. J-Mac, how do you see this game going? Well, I think we... Like I said earlier, I think we'll win it. But I, I do... The, Mark Warburton's team in this with this formation isn't the sort of high-pressing um, thing that we experience with Coventry. Um, it's it's a, a lot more possession-based and it, it's the temp, we, they sort of slow down the tempo quite a lot. But if I was Mark Warburton, or if I were other managers that we need to face right now, and I saw how we struggled in the second half for about 15 minutes against Bristol City when they pressed us high with... Um, with wingbacks or what Coventry did to us, I would just be telling my team to just absolutely go for us and we'll panic because with their wingbacks, like pressing our fullbacks and us freaking out and us not being able to do the possession-based stuff that we like doing and not being as quick as we like to be, we could easily crumble. I mean, we've seen that already. And I feel like they're number 10 in Coventry, just attacking... Harrison Reed and Seri as well was a huge blow to us. I mean, that was that really s- slowed us down and we weren't able to be at the tempo that we wanted to be. But I can see us, that being said, because we're at home and those were away games that we sort of crumbled, I can see us maybe doing a bit of a Swansea. We just need to really just get our... 
No, I mean, we just need to get our midfield sorted slightly. I mean, I like to imagine that it'll be Seri playing with Harrison Reed potentially for this game. Um, I don't know. Obviously, Bobby Reed on there. I don't know if you put uh, Keener in or you do Shalaber and do the twin eights going forward. Either way, I, I, I can see us being quite hairy for sure. But I, I don't think it, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet either. I mean, we, we don't often at the moment anyway, but I can definitely see us conceding, but having a nervy win, I think. We've had some good, good wins against QPR over the years. Aside from that one where we missed two penalties and ended up losing the game oh, yeah. a few years ago, we've we've had some really good big scores as well. Um, and there was one when Harry Redknapp was managing QPR. I think we were 3-0 up at half-time and they pulled it back to 3-2 and we're just all over us and they just couldn't get couldn't get an equaliser and we ended up winning that one. But we've had a 5-0, was there a 6-0 as well? It's been, it's been good fun against QPR and I feel like we're going to we're going to do it again this weekend, but I'm not going to make any score predictions at the moment because every time <laughs> I make a big score prediction, I, I get it wrong. But anyway, Stato, how, how do you see the game, game going, mate? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a tough, tough game because obviously QPR in form, we're wobbling a bit. Yeah, um, so I see QPR as kind of our big main rivalry. No disrespect to Brentford or anyone, but have barely played Brentford up until recently when they've become good. QPR for me is kind of the one where we've always been in a similar-ish division, so I feel there's more there as a as a rivalry. So I, I kind of always see QPR as our main you know, big team. So, you know, there's that added pressure. If I was QPR, um, I'd be looking to get an early go against us because we've seen that we can't respond from... As soon as we go behind, we can't respond, and this is a trait that Silva has had in all of his previous teams. So, you know, for us, the main thing is just don't go behind because if we do, we just <laughs> evidence suggests that we just can't respond at the moment. And that's a problem that does need to be fixed because as the season progresses, there will be instances like that where we will go behind and we do need to respond to this. And that's something that Silver does need to fix ASAP. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, just, it, I'm just looking forward to the game, to be honest. I'm just looking forward to seeing Fulham playing again and just, just, Get the win, please. <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah, we, Just get a win. We, we should we should get the win because it's sort of a team that we want to play. I mean, I don't think they're going to do a deep block. I think that this should be quite a good game to watch in styles. I think so. I'm, I'm, I think it, it it won't be ugly on the eye. I hope. I hope. <laughs> I don't know. What uh, well, I can, couldn't give a fuck if it was ugly on the eye as long as Fulham get the three points. Well, what yeah. was it? We're, we're the two highest scorers in the league. I think. Um, yeah, it's a derby. Two high scores in the league. Lunchtime game. Nil, nil. It's just got a yes, nil nil with some over it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. How, Stato, how do you think we're gonna line up? Do you do you think Seri and Reed will be uh, be that, that partnership as, as J Matt was saying a minute ago? I hope so, because that's what I'd like to see. I think that's probably our strongest midfield duo. I think we'll be seeing Gazaniga and Go again. Um I like probably most other Fulham fans at this point do want to see Roldak back, but at the same time. Gazaniga probably hasn't made a big blunder yet that warrants him to be dropped. Yeah, but there's totting up, isn't there? Not a big there blunder, is. but there's, there's a series of little totting up ones that, you know, it's yeah. got to be two yellow cards it's... soon, Stan, surely. Yeah, but yeah. Also, Rodak's been on international break, so I don't think he'll get picked for that reason as well, maybe. Yeah. Potentially. Nice. Um, I'd make the argument that as a goalkeeper, your fitness is probably not that big of a factor internationally, but hey, um, Gazaniga will, will probably play, which yeah, it's annoying, but hey, I don't think Tete is quite back fit yet, so we'll probably have to stick with the Doi at right back um, for, again, I don't, it's 
all we've got at the moment. Christie's been away on international though. break. It's not. Well, it's, it's not. not it's not. It's Cyrus, not at all. Cyrus Christie played against Leeds and did all right by all accounts. He and did. And then he's, he's played for Ireland as well this week. So I, I just don't understand why, in a in a team that likes to attack with attacking fullbacks, why Cyrus Christie is just completely discarded and not even given a chance on the bench. I do 100% agree. And if, you know, as a lot of us have gone down in the past, if we slay Parker for having agendas against players, it's fair enough to criticise Silva for not playing Christie, especially when we do have a right-back crisis, as we do at the moment. So, yeah, I feel like Christie probably should deserve a shot, but for whatever reason, we're going to be playing a doy. Defence, we need to go back to Tosin and Ream. I'm a bit sceptical on Ream at the moment, but I'm willing to kind of, like, Ream and Tosin, it's worked so far. So if it's not, if it ain't broke, don't, you know, don't fix it. That's fine. Joe Bryan at left back, as J-Max already said, because, you know, that's who he's, well, Robinson's going to be aware in international break. And also I think Bryan's just better and he provides more to this team. And hopefully, yeah, Carvalho's back fit and firing as well. But if not, uh, I don't know, maybe Onima, in that attacking midfield role, maybe bringing in Keena. It's tough because, you know, Carvalho, he's had such a big impact on this team so far, but we can't rely on this. We can't rely on a 19 year old to keep us ticking over. So we need to find another way. I think I put maybe Shalaber, uh, you know, going attacking alongside Reed, maybe. I know Reed's not a natural attacking midfielder, but as that sort of twin thing that you like to see from a silver team every now and then with Seri sitting behind, I wouldn't mind potentially seeing that. I think I prefer yeah. that than seeing Keener as the 10 role, personally. I don't know if he'd be up for this in this sort of, it'd be quite a heated game in, this, in terms of it being a derby. Um, and yeah, just to add to what I was saying there, I mean, obviously I think Cabano and, and Wilson as the wingers and Mitrovic up top. I mean, we could see Harry Wilson play in the number 10 and then bring in maybe Cav out wide, maybe put Bobby well, Reid out wide. Now you just said that. I don't know if that's... Maybe that's actually a very good idea because I feel that at the moment, Harry Wilson is becoming... He's just sort of one anonymous game again away from everyone just saying, well, he's just turned into another Cavalera from two seasons ago. He's just completely gone off the boil. And I feel like maybe if you put... Harry Wilson mix it up a bit in that 10 role and, and he can dance around the front three a little bit more. It, it might just take the pressure off him and he might be a little bit more creative. He seems to be marked out the game quite a lot at the moment. Um, I, I really hope he scores though. And, you know, and, well, I always hope he scores, but I, we do need to see that player come back because he is worth quite a lot of money when we start paying it. I mean, Speaking of players coming back, particularly from the dead, Tom Kearney is back in training. I forgot about that. Yeah. Hey. Um... Well, Any chance of seeing him anytime soon? Do you think? Would he even get into the team? Where does he? Where does Tom Kearney sit in the pecking order for our midfield now? Right. So, if under this silver lineup, he likes to play kind of an attacking number ten midfielder, and then two midfielders sitting back. So, for Tom Kearney, could he play in that number ten role? Yes, he probably could. But does he get in ahead of Fabio Carvalho? No. No, he doesn't. Does he get in ahead of, let's say, Harry Wilson or Bobby Reid? Hard to say, but again, probably not. So then you look at those two sitting midfielders and we have Reid and Seri and Onoma and Chalabar. And again, I love Tom Kearney, but again, he doesn't really get in ahead of them. I'm sure he has a part to play this season, but I'd say he's quite far low down in the pecking order. And if he does want to get 
if he's serious about his return, he's got some work to do if he wants to kind of work his way back up that order. Yeah, I agree with you. He does have a part to play this season. He can carry the water bottles over across the pitch. What about you, Jay? Mate? Do, you, do, you, do you see him getting back in the team? Yeah, I, th- I think it, we make this comment. I mean, there's always a comment throughout throughout the season. You know, Kenny's been injured for about four or five months and then someone on Twitter or in the group says, like, we miss Tom Kenny. I'm like, we really fucking don't. But maybe, uh, maybe we do. I mean, I, I think if he is fit now and we haven't got Carvalho for this game, then actually it'd be perfect. He'd be perfect for this game because he's used to playing QPR and it'd be good to see him in the 10 position. Yeah, I think he has got a part to play. I don't think he... He's, I don't think he's getting ahead of Carvalho, but he could he could maybe play as a deep-playing sort of uh, CDN that he played for a few games under Parker in the Championship. But I, he's definitely not first choice in any position at the moment, in my opinion, unless he has an absolute worldie and plays in the number 10 at the start of this weekend. Not from, Yeah, but I can't see it, personally. I, I'd love to see the renaissance of Tom Kearney. I, I really would. I, I loved him up until you know we got to the Premier League the first time round when he was just completely out of his depth as as were most of the players yeah. and even even in the Scott Parker promotion season I, I didn't really rate him that highly that season either apart from a few worldies from from miles out his overall contribution I I thought it it just once he'd set the bar for those two seasons in 16 17 and 17 18 and was one of the best players in the championship he's never got back to that level and I guess that's what I mean as aside from I didn't really rate him because he, he was fine, you know, but he just wasn't anywhere near his best. Um, but I'd love to see, as I said, the Tom Kearney renaissance. And if he came in and and did the business for us this season, got himself back into the team and got back to a, the, the level that he was playing at, I'd be absolutely made up. So anyway, let's come on to a score prediction. And I'm just going to predict the draw. I'm, I'm, I'm really superstitious after I was swinging my dick around a couple of times earlier in the season and saying, yeah, Blackpool, went on the Blackpool podcast and we're, we're going to come to your place and we're going to beat you 4-0. <laughs> So I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say nil nil for this one just to be uh, just out of sheer superstition. That's okay. I I'm gonna go I'll go for a little narrow two one win. We're gonna concede because we don't keep clean sheets at the moment, but we're gonna score first, so we're gonna win. So two one two one is what I'm gonna go for. Oh, we scored first at Coventry, so that completely dispelled that myth, didn't it? Especially as we were winning uh, at half time as well. The myth, the myth isn't that if we score first we win. It's if we do go behind, we don't come back from that. So oh, okay. we're going to go. I'd say we'll we, we go one nil up, maybe one all, maybe two nil, but we'll, we'll concede so a two one win. All right, mate. And Jay Mack, how about for you, mate? Um, I'm going to be really romantic about this just because it's the international break. I think we'll concede first, and then we will come back and learn, and we'll show that we can come and win a game from behind, and we will score. Brace in the second half, a Mitrovic penalty which Stephanie Hansen gives away, and he'll wink to Mitrovic <laughs> after uh, after after Mitrovic scores it, and then Harry Wilson will score the winner and give tribute to his uh, his his national teammate David Brooks uh, because he's recently come very old, and yeah, I think that'll be a very nice three-one victory for us at Craven Cottage. Yeah, I saw that about David Brooks today. Thoughts go out. To that's, that's awful news. Yeah. yeah. All right, lads, let's leave it there. Thanks for joining me. As ever, we'll be back on Monday morning to look back over the game. For those of you going to the game, the walk and talk guys are walking from Loftus Road to Craven Cottage. I believe the plan is to meet at the South Africa Road stand at quarter past 10. So go along and join them if that's something you want to be involved with. 
Last time I heard, Morse is going to be there, so don't let that put you off. Just follow the fumes of his breath from the <laughs> night before and you'll be in and around the right area. So that's 10.15am on Saturday outside the South Africa road stand if you want to walk to the cottage with the Walk and Talk guys who get together to walk for men's mental health. Thanks for listening, folks. See you on Saturday and come on, you whites. Cheers. Fulham.